Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38, the message translation. Some Sadducees came up. This is the Jewish party that denies any possibility of resurrection. They asked, Teacher, Moses wrote us that if a man dies and leaves a wife but no child, his brother's obligated to take the widow to wife and get her with child. Well, there once were seven brothers. The first took a wife. He died childless. The second married her and died. Then the third, and eventually all seven, had their turn, but no child. After all that, the wife died. That wife, now, in the resurrection, whose wife is she? All seven married her. Jesus said, Marriage is a major preoccupation here, but not there. Those who are included in the resurrection of the dead will no longer be concerned with marriage, nor, of course, with death. They will have better things to think about, if you can believe it. All ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. Even Moses exclaimed about resurrection at the burning bush, saying, God, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God isn't the God of dead men, but of the living. To him, all are alive. The word of the Lord. Be to God. It's not every day that I bring a Sharpie marker into the pulpit with me, but today is one of those days. Have you seen these down the hall? It says, thankful for, hashtag thankful C-U-M-C-N-J. And we're beginning um, this month to create a culture of gratitude, not only in our congregation, but for everyone who sees these signs, which ultimately we hope will be pinned to the board, the bulletin board down the hall, and we hope that groups that are using our building will write down what they're thankful for and take this sign or the other one and take a, a selfie with it and hold up their, their sign of what they're grateful for and we'll start this Hopefully this will go uh, international. Those of you who are worshiping online and who may be in another country, feel free to download one of these. It's on our website. And make your own sign and post it to this hashtag on Instagram, thankful C-U-M-C-N-J. We're hoping that everyone who comes into our building has an opportunity to express their gratitude and to name at least one person or thing or dynamic or group or aspect of life that brings them gratitude. Can you read that from here? Maybe Carol in the front row. Chris, can you read that? It says, my wife, Julie. I'm thankful for my wife, Julie, who teaches me what love looks like, who accepts me for all of my foibles and loves me anyway, who shows me what it is to be the beloved of God 
and reminds me wherever I'm going who I am and whose I am. And that brings me unspeakable joy. And I will take a picture of this with the frame sometime after church. I don't have my selfie stick with me, which you need if you're doing a solo shot. So when you fill this out down the hall, go with a friend who has a cell phone and have them take your picture, whatever you're grateful for, and post it. We've got two of these, one sign here, one in, in Rada Hall. Let's start priming the pump so that people who come into this building this week will start sharing those pictures as well. I am kind of a traditional guy when it comes to marriage. I believe in monogamous marriage. I believe that there is truth and wisdom and joy in committing to another human being in the eyes of God and saying, we will stick this out through good times and difficult times. And we will stick it out as long as we're alive. There's something happens when couples make a commitment to one another that changes the depth of relationship, or at least it has the potential to change that depth of relationship. It allows two human beings who make that commitment to one another to be honest, to be real, to be vulnerable, knowing that the other person is not going to leave. And that opportunity for honesty brings us deeper into our sense of self, deeper into our understanding of love, deeper into the mystery of who God is. I am very grateful to God for God's call in my life to be married to Julie. Now, I also realize that to be married is a call. To be single is also a call. God calls some people to be single, and in their singleness, they discover something of God that is uniquely their discovery and important, not only for them, but for the world around them. Fewer and fewer people are getting married these days. Many more people are just living together for however long the romance lasts. And when it gets tough, they often just stop living together, whether or not they have kids, whether they are gay or straight. And of those fewer numbers getting married, fewer are getting married in a church. I'd be curious, how many of you have been to a wedding in the last six months? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. Uh, how many of you who were in the, at that wedding, was that wedding in a church? Raise your hand. Okay, about half of those who just raised their hand. Doesn't mean it's any less holy. Love is love and it is of God. But churches need to take note of that. Fewer and fewer people are getting married here. Pastor Sharon, you know, fewer and fewer people are asking ordained people like us to officiate. They're calling their friends up and saying, would you go to this website and pay $10 
and get ordained online, which they do, and people officiate at weddings. This is the reality that we're living in. Friends, I must tell you, as an old-fashioned Christian, when anyone comes to me and they say, we want to make a commitment and join a covenant with one another in the eyes of God, I don't care if they're gay or straight, they've got my attention. And I want to provide full pastoral care for them and shepherd them through this process of making a covenant with one another, making a commitment for life to one another in the eyes of God and in Christ. Whether they are gay or straight, they've got my attention because it takes great courage and it takes a movement of the Holy Spirit for any two human beings to want to commit to one another. It is the great cauldron of discovery and of depth, and it has the potential to move us from romantic love to a mature love. A mature love that grows to include a love for all people and all of creation. Today's scripture is a conversation between the Sadducees and Jesus about marriage and about resurrection. Let me just set the stage a little bit by describing who the, the Sadducees are. Sadducees, I always learned in Sunday school, they, were, they didn't believe there was a resurrection. They didn't believe in heaven. That made them sad, you see. See those Sunday school teachers, they still are in us, huh? Thank God for the Sunday school teachers of our lives. The Sadducees were not only not believing in heaven, but they believed that the law was the only way to faithfulness. And it didn't matter if you were loving or not. It didn't matter if you were kind or compassionate or not. It was about the law and the temple rules. Historians say that in the destruction of the temple in 68, 69, 70 AD, the Sadducees ceased to exist. They were reduced to the dustbin of history. And I think that's true of most faith traditions. If it is just about the law, it won't last. If it is about love, if it is about relationship, then it has staying power. The Sadducees were also aware of a Levirate law, which said if a husband died, the brother-in-law or the husband's brother would marry his widow. And if that husband died, the next brother would marry the widow. Now, this is hard for us to even get our minds around because it seems like women were treated like chattel. And we know that not to be the case now, but 2,000 years ago, women were not respected as equal partners. And in the economy, they were not given access to making money or jobs or professions. They were dependent on their husbands. So if the husband died, widows would become destitute 
or prostitute. And so the people of Israel built a compassionate value into the law which said we need to protect our widows so that they don't become beggars, so that they are taken care of, and so that they don't become prostitutes. And so the compassionate aspects of the Jewish faith were written into the law. Countries that write compassion into law do very well. The Sadducees asked Jesus a gotcha question. They knew there was no right answer to this because if Jesus was going to refer to the law, there was really no written law about a widow who had been widowed seven times. So Jesus takes their question, which is asked from below, and answers with a question from above. The scenario that he's given is this. A woman is married, husband dies, no kids. She marries the brother of the husband. He dies, no kids. Happens seven times. Who is the woman married to when they get to heaven? If there is a heaven. You can hear the Sadducees in their snideful question. Jesus answered their question, but didn't answer their question, answered another question. He reminded the people who were listening and us, there is a heaven, and we who are in this earthly plane, there's more than this. We Christians believe that. There is more than this. There is a spiritual aspect to life that starts here and includes heaven, which is an eternal existence. Jesus responds by saying in heaven there won't be a need for laws that protect vulnerable widows because all will be taken care of in heaven. The living God will care for all of our needs, and we won't need this leave our right law. He intimates that when we get to heaven, the love that we experienced on earth, which is an incomplete love, will be made complete in heaven. And the love that we experience in our earthly relationships will be expanded, made whole, made to incorporate everyone and everything. Let me take a side story. This is not something that Jesus said. But you know that we Christians love to muse about what heaven will look like. You know that song, I Can Only Imagine. I heard a great description of heaven recently. A faithful woman dies and goes to heaven and Peter greets her and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come into the kingdom which is waiting for you. She goes in. She's thrilled. She looks around. She doesn't see anybody. And she says to Peter, where is everybody? And he said, oh, they're all down in hell caring for those who are not in heaven yet. 
End of story. But wouldn't that make sense? If we Christians are really true to our Christian faith, why would our love for people who are hurting stop when we get to heaven? Now, lest we take the story of hell too seriously, let me tell you a true story of when the Inquisition was peppering Teresa of Avila with questions. Teresa of Avila, a 16th century Christian, she was one of the great mystics of the Christian tradition. And the Inquisition and the legalists of her time were barking questions at her. One of the questions was, do you believe in hell? And she calmly answered, yeah, I believe in hell. And then under her breath, she said to one of her friends, it's just that nobody's there. Oh, yes, think about that. Think about that in light of a God who can only love. Friends, life on earth, how brief it is, is meant to point us to a greater love. Who taught you what love looks like? Or who teaches you what love looks like? Whatever they're teaching, it's not just for you. It's for someone else. It's for those around you. It's for your friends, it's for your family, it's for the person you meet on the street or your friend in a workplace or a brother and sister in Christ. Whoever taught us how to love, share that. As long as we have life and breath. I close with this from Unfolding Light. A reflection on today's scripture, which is not an easy scripture which has befuddled Christians for centuries. Resurrection is not just the afterlife. It's the new life that God gives us. When we hand our old one over to God, it can happen at any time. The old life we hand over is limited to the space inside our body but the new one is not so limited. We are no longer separate individuals, but rejoined with our wholeness, no longer belonging to one, but belonging to all. No longer strangers, but siblings. Giving our life to God over and over again we are angels who have died and gone to heaven, who inhabit the universe, who love all as if married to all. The life you hand over is small. The life you receive is infinite, eternal, not infinitely long. In parentheses, it is written, you don't even like long meetings. 
let alone living millions of years, but infinitely deep and wide. The infinite dimension of eternal life is not time, it's love. Children of resurrection, we let ourselves love and be loved infinitely. It starts now. Amen.